Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. You see it in the Garden of Eden, if you really look. It's really not that hard to find. As Adam and Eve are there, God breathes life into them. But they got one rule, don't they? Don't eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they do. We instantly see the shame that overtakes them as they recognize their nakedness. They cover themselves with fig leaves and they hide from God. And then we see God in the garden walking through, knowing where they are, but still calling out to them. You see on the mountaintop with Abraham... God had promised Abraham uh, uh, and Sarah a son, the promised son. He was going to be the father of many nations. And finally, Isaac comes. What a miracle. They were almost 100 years old. That's craziness. And now Isaac is here. And then God says, I want you to take that son and sacrifice him. Give him back to me. And that test of faith that Abraham goes through as he walks up the mountain with his son Isaac. Even Isaac, this, this young man saying, we got the fire, we got the wood, but where's the, where's the lamb? Where's the ram for the sacrifice? And, and Abraham says, God's going to provide. They get up there. He ties his son, lays him on the altar, raises the knife to slay him, to sacrifice him. And we, we see it again as, as, as the angel of the Lord calls out and says, stop. And behind him is that ram in the thicket. Fast forward a couple thousand years, you see on that cold, starry night in Bethlehem, you see it in the manger. You see it uh, on the hillside probably 30 or so years later as Jesus, the Son of God, who was God, looks out on the crowds of people and looks through the multitudes. You see in every miracle that Jesus performs, every blind man that received sight, every deaf person that was able to hear again, every, every lame man that was told to get up and take up your bed and walk, we see it every time. We even see it at the Last Supper as Jesus is surrounded by his most trusted followers, his disciples, as he kneels down and begins to wash the feet of each one of those disciples, the ones with anger issues, the ones with doubt, even his betrayer, Judas. You see it as he walks that hill to Calvary, carrying the cross, been mocked, abused, spit upon, hair pulled out, beard pulled out, as he's nailed to that cross, as he, as he hangs there on that tree, blood pouring down, you see it. What is it that I'm talking about? Why did the, the course of human history continually point to this one event on the cross? If you look through, the, through history and through the scriptures and see how everything, how God worked out every single uh, story and every single occasion and, and with wars and with people and everything and, and the lineage, how it all points to Jesus Christ. The prophets in the Old Testament who foretold the coming of the Messiah the star that was in the sky, the angels who on the hillside sang for the shepherds. Why? Why? What is it that I'm talking about? What do we see in all this? What does it all point to? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In every situation I mentioned, in every biblical occurrence, 
and all the things that I talked about, what does it all point to? What is it all, what's it all rooted in? It's rooted in the God who loves. The next sermon in this series, this is our God. We've talked about the God of the beginning, the, the, the God uh, um, that we spoke about last week. Uh, we talked about no restraints and, and, and moving on and lo- living for God and that God gives us purpose. Now we're talking about the God who loves. The God who loves. Let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father God, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. I ask you to bless the message uh, this morning. Help people to listen. Help hearts to be helped. If someone's going to be listening online at a later time, help it to speak to their heart. Challenge hearts. We love you. We need you. I need you, God. Give me your power this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. The God who loves. God loves you with an unfailing love. And his love, if you let it, his love, if you let it, can fill you and leave you with a love worth giving. My goal today for this message is, is twofold. It's very simple. I want, before, when we leave in just about 20 or so minutes, when we leave, I want you to know two things before we're done. Believe it in your heart. I want you to, first of all, know that you are loved. You are loved. By others, yes, but by God. Yes, we love you. I'm your pastor. I love you. But you are loved by God. I want you to know that before we leave. I want you to know that you are loved, but I also want you to know that you can love. You can love. You, you are capable of showing love and giving love to someone else. That's my goal today. And I want you to kind of hold on to that, uh, those, those goals as we work through this message. And I'm going to continually, I even wrote it down for myself so I'm reminded the entire message of what my goal is for you today. That you'll know that you are loved and that you can love. We started in John 3.16. And I want to give you some context. Remember, in John chapter 3, Jesus is a... a at nighttime, Nicodemus, this religious Pharisee, uh, who was one of the religious elite, those that didn't like Jesus, Nicodemus was having some struggle in his mind. Jesus said he's the Messiah, uh, and, 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 and he kind of believed it. He was kind of like, I don't know what to think. So he met Jesus at night and started asking questions. Uh, not the kind of questions that others had asked Christ, trying to trip him up and, and confuse him and make him look dumb. Nicodemus had some genuine questions. And Jesus had told him earlier in the chapter, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? Am I going to go back in my mother's womb? And Jesus says, no, 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 born of the Spirit. And he talks about how, how you know, Christ came into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And, and then we get to John 3, 16. Nicodemus was the only audience that heard this verse. If you think about it, he's the only one. And in John chapter 3, in verse 16, we see, uh, for God so loved the world. That's, that's where we're at here. So we're going to be in a lot of different scriptures today. But we're going to start here with this scripture. Break it down very quickly. You know, it, this is, it's, it's Valentine's week, right? Valentine's week uh, on Wednesday. Guys, if you forgot, I just reminded you. Okay, you got to get something, all right? Remember that. Um, Valentine's week on Wednesday, you know, all across the country, you're going to have guys scrambling, you know, going to CVS, grabbing the last half dozen wilted roses that they got there half off and turning them in. I hope not. And dinner plans and all this fun stuff. It's going to be great. A lot of love being shown and in, in, in relationships across the country. But I'm telling you, no greater love than the love of God for the world and for you. The love that I have for my wife, and I love her. We'll be celebrating 14 years. I almost messed up there. 14 years in May. I love my wife. There's a lot of love there, but it doesn't even come close to the love that God has for me, that he has for her, that he has for you. For God. Let's break this verse down. For God. Think about that for a second. For God. God. The creator of the universe. 
the creator of everything, the one who spoke earth into existence, the one that said, let there be light, and there was light. That God is the one we're talking about, the one true almighty God. That God so loved, so loved. By the way, he's not an idol God. He's not just uh, uh, this, this almighty, you know, uh, uh, figure that sits on the throne and does not care about anything going on below him, that does not care about you or your issues or your problems, does not care about the wars going on or the, the corruption around. He's not an idle God. He's a God that is a God of action. He is a God that loves, that cares, that, that invests. He is a God that loves, not an idle God. He so loved the world. All people. You'll find people that claim to know Christ that think that God does not love everybody. That God uh, chooses to hate certain groups of people. And, and, and the scriptures right here say that God so loved the world. The grace of God is for all that receive it. The world that he gave. His only begotten son. That's Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth, proved, showed his love to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, and that's anybody, whosoever means anybody, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God brings salvation. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ based in a love for you and for me, a love for all of mankind, a desire for relationship based on love. We're starting off, yes, I, I wanted to give you that scripture with the fact that God loves all of us. God loves everybody. God is a God of love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says that. He is love. But this morning, I want to make it personal. We, we, listen, I, I think we can understand that God does love everybody, but I want to make it personal today. Because I know, whether you're here this morning or whether you're listening online, some of you struggle with being loved. Some of you struggle with receiving love. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy of it. Fill in the blank. You struggle with it. That's a battle for you. I want to make it personal today that you are loved. You are loved. Church, you are loved. You may not believe it. You may not be willing to accept it right now, but I hope through the scriptures and through the message and through the power of God in this room that you will leave here today understanding, believing, living in the truth that you are loved. God loves you personally, personally. It is easy. It's not that hard to grasp the grand scale love of God for all. God loves everybody. I mean, even people that are lost believe that God loves everybody. But it's more challenging to individualize it. We sang the song growing up in church. If you grew up in church, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. We sang that growing up. But, but have you ever let that soak in? That Jesus loves me. God, almighty God, the creator of all things, loves me, loves you. You can put your name in John 3.16. For God so loved Donald that he gave his only begotten son that if I believe on him, I will not perish but have everlasting life. Put your name in that. 
For God so loved Riley. For God so loved Mercy. For God so loved Lily. God loves you, church. He's not just the creator of the universe. He is the one who lovingly and carefully knits you together in your mother's womb. He's not just the redeemer of humankind. He's the lover of your soul who came in the person of Jesus Christ to pay your ransom to adopt you into his family. Yes, Jesus loves me. Loves Donald Savini. He hears, listen, the God of the universe, church, he hears your laughs. He feels your hurts. He sees your tears. He understands your fears. The scriptures say in Psalm 56, you have kept count of my tossing. You know, when you can't fall asleep, when you can't get comfortable, when you're stressing out. He sees that. He kept count of those sleepless nights that you've had. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This I know. This I know, church, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, I shall not be afraid. He loves you, church, personally. Friend, he loves you personally. Listen, I love pizza. I love it. I'm on a 21-day fast right now. No sugar, no dairy, no bread. I don't love that. I love pizza. Oh, my goodness. With the billowy crust, with the clouds of heaven, you know, and the melted cheese. And, and I did have a cheat day, thank God, with Dan. My, my wife, I said, I, I won't cheat on the Super Bowl Sunday. Can I cheat tonight? Because we try to do a pizza place. And I had two pieces of beautiful pizza in the middle of the staff. And I loved it. And the pepperoni and ground beef. Some of these places don't carry ground beef anymore. I hate it. I love pizza. You could, listen, I would have full-blown, long conversations about pizza. I really would. If you're interested in that kind of pizza like I am, let's talk, man. Let's connect, get some coffee, and talk about pizza. I'll tell you all my favorite spots, all my favorite frozen pizzas. We could talk about it forever. I'm, I'm serious. If you know me, you know it. Dan, we're having a talk. We're talking pizza at church, all right, brother? I love pizza, but not like I love my family, right? Like, it's not like the love that I have for my wife, for my children, is the same love that I have for pizza. And I love pizza. Listen, God doesn't see you as like a fun hobby or a project or, or, or like a favorite snack that you enjoy once in a while. That's not, how, that's not the love God has for you. He sees you as his child. He loves you like you're his child because you are. Listen, I love my kids so much. I love my kids so much. When they disobey, it hurts me. When, listen, when I'm living in the grace of God and I'm not getting instantly impatient and I'm and they disobey me, it hurts me because I love them. Because I want what's best for them. I'm trying to teach them. Uh, when, when they're enjoying life, I'm happy. I mean, walking around Disney World with them and seeing the joy in their faces, that brings me joy. When they're enjoying life, I'm happy. When I'm away from them, when I don't see them, when I don't get to talk to them, I miss them because I love them. That is the love that God the Father has for you. Person, friend, individual today, I'm telling you, whether you doubt the love of God or not, it doesn't change the fact that he does love you. If you were the only person in the world, he would have died for you. If you were the only person in the world, Jesus Christ would have gone through everything he went through for you. What's that song we sing, Jaira? I've never been more loved than I am right now. God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth not. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God 
is love. God loves you personally. You are loved personally. You are loved powerfully. It is, listen, it's God. It's God. We talk about that. It's God, the God, the creator of all things. By him all things consist. That God, if that God loves me, that's a powerful love. We know that he's powerful. There's nothing weak about our Father God, Almighty God. Nothing weak about him at all. He loves powerfully. It is a love that knows no bounds. A love that won't stop. A, a love that can't be stopped. There is nothing you can do to make God not love you. You are loved powerfully. The scriptures say in Romans 8, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Paul says this. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And then Paul points back to the Old Testament as the scriptures say, for your sakes we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. We, life is hard. We go through a lot. If these things in life happen to us, does that mean that God does not love us? If we're going through trial and trouble and we're destitute, we're without a house, we're without money, uh, we're sick, does that mean God doesn't love us? Verse 37, no. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory, we are more than conquerors uh, through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, nor things present, things to come. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved powerfully, church. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning, church? Come on, hallelujah. You are loved powerfully. A powerful love that changes lives. A powerful love that brings freedom to the sinner in bondage. A powerful love that can forgive the unforgivable, that can save the world, that can save you. A powerful love that heals the anxious heart. A love that is powerful enough to kill the shame that rules over you. You are loved personally. And you're loved powerfully. And you're loved passionately. Passionately means an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. God is not capable of stoic, dry, lifeless emotion. He's not that kind of God. God's love never tires. It never runs out, nor does he hide or mask himself from his people. Access to the heart of God is always open. He, 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 he is the father waiting for the prodigal son. He's the father in that same story that goes out to the elder brother who's being a brat. That's the God that we have for any situation. We have access to him. Ephesians chapter 3, this passionate love, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of Christ that we can't even begin to fathom. You are loved passionately. God does not simply tolerate us. He celebrates us in his son, Jesus Christ. He loves passionately. You are loved passionately. Listen, 
passionate love between a husband and wife in a marriage goes way beyond the bedroom. It just does. It's, it's a lot more than that. And because I, listen, I have heard story after story of that part of the marriage was fine and they still had, there was no love and they still got divorced and it still ended. Passionate love in a marriage goes way beyond that kind of stuff. It's about relationship. It's about conversations. It's about time spent. It's about trust. It's about uh, confession. It's about so many things that creates a real, lasting, passionate love in a marriage. And listen, God the Father passionately loves you and wants to spend time with you. The scriptures say in James 4 that draw nigh to, to God, he will draw nigh to you. He says, come to me and I will come to you. He wants to spend time with you. You are passionately loved by God. Do you know yet that God loves you? My friend, believe what God has said. You are Loved. He is the God who loves. The God who loves. But I said that the goal was two parts. It was, it was that you are loved. And I hope, I hope right now, church, that you're sitting there and maybe, maybe you came in not even doubting the love of God. That's fine. I hope that you've been reminded and can stand on the truth that I am loved by God. I am loved by God because of what the scriptures say. I'm loved. No matter what the enemy says, that I'm unlovable, that I can, no one, sh no one should, I don't deserve love. You are loved. But I said there was two parts to it. You are loved, and you can love. You can love. How? How? How, Pastor? How can I? I, I, I never had a good example of love in my life. I could never be a parent that loves because my, my parents weren't there for me. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been through too many relationships. How, I'm too broken. I'm, I'm unworthy. I, I, I have failed too much. Uh, I'm not good enough. If people really knew me, man, they wouldn't even want my love. I, I just can't do it. I am unworthy. I'm not good enough. It's too late. I've missed my chance. You can love. How? Well, let's look at the scriptures. 1 John 4 is very clear. When it says, we love... Because he first loved us. We can love because we have been loved. We can love effectively because we have been loved. It is the effectual love of God that first changes our hearts in order to make us capable of love. And it's his example of love that reminds us again and again of our need to love other people. I want to read that again. It is the effectual love of God that first changes our hearts in order to make us capable of love. And it's his example of love that reminds us again and again of our need to love other people. The next two verses after 1 John 4, 19, says if anyone boasts, you know, and says, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, fellow believer, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. Because if you won't love the person that you can see, how can you say that you love God who you can't see? Verse 21 says, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And, and the command from Christ is very straightforward, very blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. That was Christ's last command, wasn't it? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
Love for others, church. Love for others uh, stems, it's rooted in the love of God. The love from God and the love towards God that we have for Him. So, So here's what the pattern should be. God loves me. I believe it. I accept it. I receive His love. And I can now love others. Listen, not in my own way, not, not in the way I think is best to love, but in God's way, with, with God's love, with God's love leading the way. Uh, it says in the scripture in the New Testament that the love of Christ constrains me, it controls me, it leads me. God loves me, and when I accept that love and I accept the fact that even though I'm a sinner, even though I'm a hot mess, God loves me, I receive his love, and because I've received that love, I can now love others. I can now love others others. I actually have an illustration this morning, and I'm excited about it. I hope the truth of this is clear to you. We're talking about the love of God this morning. The love of God knows no bounds. It's a powerful love. It's a personal love. It's a love that doesn't run out. And because of that love that we have in God, we can now love others. But the truth of the matter is, we may say that, believe it, hear it, but it doesn't always make a lot of sense to us, and it doesn't always feel that way. So here we are. This is us. This is you. This is me. Okay? I got this at Disneyland, New Orleans Square. Very important cuff to me. I love it. Now, this is us. Empty. Not really able to give anything out. Nothing in there. We can't, we can't pass our love really on to anybody else because, because maybe we've been hurt. We've been broken. And because of that, like here we sit empty. But then we meet Jesus and, 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 and God the Father. And God steps into our life. And I wish I could take the hose from the front of this building and pull it in here and crank it up. Because that's the love of God. It's everlasting. Let's just pretend that this is the, the everlasting picture, Okay. But God begins to pour his love into us. And finally, we get to the point when we, when we receive it. We're full. And if I had a small plate underneath here, I would, I would continue, I'd pour overflow because our cup runneth over because of the love that God has for us. And then as we begin to grow, whether you're someone that maybe you don't have kids or you're not married yet, but you have parents that love you and people in your life, friends, and, but maybe you are a, a spouse or a parent, and, and, and we're commanded to love other people. There's areas of life where we need to pour our love into, don't we? Listen, I have a, I have a wife, uh, and she, I need to love her. So the love that God gives me, I can pour into her, and then I have four children. That's a lot of love to give. They need my love. So I pour my love into them, and, and, then, and then, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm called to love, uh, you know, my friends, and, and it may not be the same love as my family, uh, but I love my friends. I want to reach in their lives, and, and I'm also called by God to, to love the world. And oftentimes, you know, when we're not careful, when we get so busy with life, we stop going back to the source. And what we try to do is we try to start doing what we're supposed to do with loving our kids and, and loving our wife and strengthening our marriage all in our own power and our own morality and our own versions of love, whether it be by buying a bunch of stuff or this and that. And I promise you, you will continually empty yourself out, never to be full. We must go back to the source. And as God pours his love into us, instead of us drying out, stressing out, we have the love 
to give to others. And oh my goodness, I'm getting low, and I better go back and meet with God and, 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 and get in the scriptures, get in prayer, so that I can continually pour that love out. Listen, the world needs to see the gospel in you. The world needs to see uh, the love of God in you. Hey, you know what? Your kids need to feel and experience the love of God in you. And I'm telling you, your marriage, oh my goodness, your marriage needs the love of God at the root of it. And you know what? Your friends, you don't know what they're maybe facing right now. They may be keeping to themselves, but they need the love of God flowing from you. And I'm telling you, church, you see where I'm going with this? We have to go back to the source because you on your own, empty, you can't accomplish nothing. You won't. You need to go to the source, the living water that can pour and pour, and he doesn't run out, and he doesn't run out. And again, if I had a plate, I would pour and pour, and it would overflow, and then we live in that overflow. Man, I'm telling you, that's the life. That's the abundant life that Christ is talking about. We're called to receive love, to give love. But we get it wrong sometimes. We love with stipulations. We love with requirements. We love with ultimatums, don't we? Well, I'll love you if you... We try to create love in our own way. We do what we think is best to show love or receive love from all the wrong places. You're tired of being single, so you're going to do whatever it takes to create that love in your life. You're tired of not having them. You'll do whatever it takes to get some friends that are close. I just got to have that when you're not satisfied in Christ and his love alone. We can't love the right way without first receiving God's love. I'm going to say that and listen to it. We can't love the right way without first receiving God's love. Let me say this, church, and write this down. If your past cannot stop God's love for you, and your past doesn't have to stop you from loving others. You may say and think, I have no good examples of love. My parents weren't there for me. Maybe you've been in relationships and they haven't worked out. Well, I just can't be loved. If your past, your issues, your problems, your sins, your faults and failures, if those cannot stop God from loving you, and your past doesn't have to stop you from loving others God's way. Write it down. Remember it. Live in these truths as you go from this place, church. You are loved. You are loved. And you can love. You are loved. And you can love. Why? Not because the world's a perfect place, because we're so awesome, but because God is faithful. God is love. Because he's the God who loves. You hear this morning... Maybe you've been doubting that love that God has for you. How could God love me? How could God love a sinner like me? Because he's God. I wish I could say because you're so awesome, but the truth is none of us are that great. He's just God. He's the God who loves. And again, my goal today is that you would recognize and believe and remember that you are loved. And maybe that one's a little bit easier. Because once you get to that point, you know, it's like, oh, but, but that second part, maybe that's the struggle for you. You're like, okay, I'm glad that God loves me, but I still don't feel like I'm capable of loving other people. You can love because God loves you. We love because he first loved us. 
Would you receive that love this morning? That perfect love that casts out all fear. He is God. He is almighty. And he loves you. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.